On the flight to Florida, I had insisted on an aisle seat. Now, a month later, I was better. I had ridden in a car without covertly bracing my feet against the floorboards. I had progressed from merely turning my head toward the side window when we crossed the Florida drawbridges to staring into the distance, stiffly pretending there was no water below, to taking quick glances at it. Toward the end of the month, my throat had ceased to tighten as much, my stomach hadn't jumped as much, or maybe by then I was bracing my neck and stomach so automatically that they seemed normal that way. From the bare rise of the drawbridges, the water beneath no longer looked as if it were gushing up to swallow me. But the bridges had been only thirty feet above the water. They had just been practice for today. Soon, I promised myself, I would look down. When we started to descend toward Oakland, I would look down. But not yet. I still had a few more minutes respite between the charade of healthiness I had performed for my parents all month and the tough facade I'd need when the plane landed. It wouldn't do for a homicide detective to admit to panic, particularly not a woman detective. Clutching my remaining moments, I turned to page 54 of the magazine. It was a collage of Berkeley history and gastronomy, photos of Mario Savio leading the free speech movement of the 60s, National Guardsmen pointing rifles at the People's Park marchers of the early 70s, the vine-covered gate of Chez Panisse, Berkeley's most famous restaurant, a couple eating tapas by the fire in Augusta's, and Mitch Beekma in the eccentric front yard of Paradise, the newest of the gourmet restaurants in town. It was hard to tell from the picture whether Mitch Beekma, the spike-haired owner of Paradise, was looking down at his front garden or at the text of the article superimposed over it, whichever it seemed to amuse him. The loudspeaker cackled. My breath caught. The speaker clicked off. No word of dissent. Yet. The air flooded out from the overhead nozzle. It was too warm. Why couldn't they regulate these planes? The man next to me shifted in his sleep, sending out waves of sickly sweet aftershave. Tensely, I stared at the photo of Beekma, following his glance to the printed text. The city of Berkeley, California, sits next to San Francisco Bay, almost as far west as you can get, or, some would say, as far left. Berkeley has a long and flamboyant history of radical politics. The free speech movement on the University of California campus there gave birth to the student protests that would change the next two decades. Berkeley is a nuclear-free zone and a sanctuary city. But when it came to pollution, this bastion of peace turned really militant, blocking off streets, installing the most expensive metered parking in the area, and mandating non-smoking sections in every restaurant. That militancy peaked to crusade proportions in city council elections, bitter campaigns between the infantry of the radical slate and the flying columns arrayed against it. Even elections for the board of the Berkeley Co-op food stores have been major skirmishes.
but there's a flip side to those Spartan warriors, an Epicurean side. In recent years, Berkeleyans have been abandoning the organic lettuce and alfalfa sprouts of their co-ops for the gourmet greens in Park and Shop, a chain which has been called the wonderland of supermarkets. Stalwarts, who once walked picket lines, now queue up for reservations at gourmet restaurants. What they spend on one dinner would support a striker's family for a week. Has Berkeley gone the way of the yuppie?